For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Neil Schaefer, and we'll explore influencer marketing and what you need to know to do it right. By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery, and I do want to uh, disclose that this is only for iOS mobile. So if you are Android user, skip over this to the interview. Eric, what'd you find? I found a cool app from Apple called Clips. Talk to us. What does it do? All right. So this is a brand new iOS app that makes sharing and making videos that have text and effects on them and video and graphics specifically square video uh, in a quick and easy way to do that right on your your iPhone. Okay, so talk about what what about it you really like. How does it work? Yeah, so so Apple, you know, doesn't enter a space unless they do something unique and in this space they have finally come in and entered into that square video, square graphics realm, which we've known from a couple different reports reports recently that square video tends to perform better on uh, social sites, especially on mobile. And so what it is, is you can literally record as well as edit and add effects quickly and easily inside of your iPhone. And it, again, it's, you get everything that you normally expect from one of those apps, but all the Apple kind of, you know, bells and whistles, especially one called live titles. This one's really cool. Yeah. I experimented with this when it first came out and, um, at the most simplistic level, you can record, I think, up to an hour, if I'm not mistaken. But really, I think this is ideal for short-form video. So I can imagine you could create Facebook stories, Instagram stories, Facebook Messenger Day stories, and Snapchat stories. I don't think that those platforms care that this is square. I would imagine they'll make it work. I don't know. Have you tried uploading mm -hmm. this to Instagram stories? Do you know if it'll even accept a square video? I have not done that personally, but 
Yeah, those those uh, platforms. I, I well, I can say this: I have seen these on Facebook stories, okay. so, so I know that they work there. Fine. Yeah, if they work there, then they probably work on Instagram stories as well. Yeah. So when I used it, I'll speak to my experience. I just, I just uh, tried to. It's got some really good text to speech capability, so I just recorded a video of me talking, and then after I was done recording the video, I turned on the option to. Um, basically put the words that I said on the bottom of the screen and it literally pops up in real time. I don't know if you could describe this better than I can, Eric, but it's listening to your voice. It's translating it into text and it's kind of like um, closed captioning and it literally shows up as you speak it on the bottom and um, it's pretty dang accurate and it's pretty cool. And what's great about this is so many people mute, right? So much audio is muted. Like if you put an Instagram video up there, people have to unmute it if I'm not mistaken, right? So having those words show up on the bottom could be pretty powerful. Yeah, it, it's huge. That 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 right there, and that I can attest to my personal experience of seeing people playing with this app, trying it out in the Facebook native newsfeed, scrolling through on my mobile newsfeed and seeing one of these videos and stopping because I'm not just seeing them talk muted. I'm seeing words show up that catch my attention and make me think, okay, I got to click into this and start listening. It's that extra, you know, subtitles in the Facebook newsfeed on a video that brings you in. And so this isn't, this is really the quickest and easiest way to do that. It's automatic too. It's not like you have to do anything, but it does more than this, right? What else does does it do? It does more than that. Yeah. So some of the other cool things is you can literally record, uh, like I could, I could sit here and record a segment of 15, 20 seconds or more, way more than that actually. And then drop in a slide that then is kind of a, a chapter break with animation, different things like that. I mean, it's literally like isn't, isn't there stickers too? Yeah, yeah. There's stickers. So there's can, emojis. There's f- filters, full screen. Uh, you know, posters and backgrounds and things that you yeah, pull up. Yeah, you can up, do so, a lot of editing. So you can keep yeah. recording little clips and kind of. It's almost like make like you said, like a little iMovie editor stripped down just for for short you know, videos. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and it even has a movie or not movie music tracks that you can bring in as well that oh, are, yeah. that are Royalty from free. Apple. And do you know whether or not you can take something from your camera roll and bring it into clips that you yes, already you can. recorded? Yeah, you can upload, you can bring in stuff too. So, so, th- so folks, if you have an iPhone, this is an app that's free, right? Yes. It's, completely free. It's just called Apple clips or it's just called clips. Just called clips. You got to mess with this. You got to try it out. It is absolutely really, really cool because if you're on Twitter or you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram, all these platforms allow you to upload video in a square format, right, Eric? And and this is just, you know, forget about the stories for a minute here. This is just a really cool way for you to create very simple, effortless videos um, that that, uh, doesn't require lots of tools because in the past to do this kind of stuff, you would have had to use all sorts of different tools. And now this is the camera and this is the effects kind of all rolled into one. Very cool. So how do they find it? Quickest and easiest way to find where to download it, the download link, as well as examples from Apple of how to use it and what all the features are, you can head over to apple.com slash clips. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. All right, let's move on over to this week's interview with Neil Schaefer. 
Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. This week, I'm excited to be joined by Neil Schaefer. If you don't know who Neil is, he's the author of three social media books, including Maximize Your Social. He teaches social media strategy at Rutgers University, and he's the founder of PDCA Social, an agency that specializes in helping Japanese businesses leverage American social media platforms. Neil, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Mike. It's an honor. So today, Neil and I are going to explore how to use influencer marketing to scale your social media results. So, um, Neil, maybe you could just start by explaining why marketers should consider influencer marketing. What's, is there any reasons why today it might be more important than in the past? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, social media is a noisy place. And uh, we all know the days of 100% organic success are over. So more and more uh, brands, uh, companies, practitioners have to spend a little bit more and more on paid social. And you know, outside of paid social, in terms of helping you accelerate your efforts, there is this, this concept I created called leverage the other. And, and really what leverage the other is, it's looking at all the other users out there in social media who might be able to help spread the word of mouth about your brand, who might be able to amplify your message. And if you think about it, it comes down to three different types of, of people, and we've seen concepts, and, and we hear a lot about different movements around these. So first you have your own employees or partners. We, we call that employee advocacy. You have your fans. We call that brand advocacy. And we have influencers, and we often refer to that, obviously, as influencer marketing. And you know, each one of these is, is powerful in a different way, but clearly, I think the one that is getting the most uh, press coverage uh, and seems to be the one that is most mainstream in 2017 as we speak right now, uh, definitely is influencer marketing as a way to to try to help you cut through the noise in a, in a different way than paid social, in a way that ideally is more authentic and more engaging uh, with the community. So for those who don't um, totally have their mind wrapped around what it is exactly, can you describe a little bit about what influencer marketing actually is from your perspective? Sure. So, you know, influencer marketing, I think, involves uh, involves two different things. It involves this concept of influencers uh, or people that have influence over other people. And if you think about it in the old days, uh, newspaper writers had tremendous influence. Television broadcasters had tremendous influence. Well, now with the democratization of information, um, there are people that have as much influence, potentially, as some of those older types of media people do. Uh, I talk to a lot of teenagers, a lot of millennials who tune into this YouTuber or that Instagrammer that I might not have ever heard of, but certainly in, in their school or in their generation, uh, they're as famous to them as old traditional writers are to me. So the concept now is with social media, you have these new communities and you have new entities, uh, You know, mostly people, not limited to people necessarily, that now yield a certain type of, of, of a community with a certain type of influence. If these people talk, people will act, almost like celebrities of the past. Uh, and celebrities obviously are still influential, musicians and, and athletes, what have you, but in a similar way uh, that these people uh, you know, on, on certain networks have certain pull. And that's the whole notion about influencer marketing is these are influencers that are also social media users and they have pull in given social networks. With some, they only focus on one network. Others, they might have broader appeal across other networks where 
they are members of. But the idea is that somehow if we are to work together with this influencer and if they were to talk about our brand, that it would have a positive effect on what we do. Like Oprah, have, Oprah, the Oprah effect. That's yes, probably the ultimate it, influencer, right? It's it's the exact same concept, but with this democratization of information and with, uh, you know, we're all getting media from different sources, there's more sources of influence. And maybe the old, you know, Oprahs are not as influential as they were 20 years ago. I'm sure they're still influential. But wherever we get sources of information from, there is a chance that we are influenced by that source. And with social media becoming more and more a source for more and more of us, you can see how now you have these these new types of influencers that have emerged. It's kind of interesting because um, for all of us that are listening that are podcasters, um, we yield influence if we have a regular audience that listens to what we say and and looks up to or looks to us for guidance in our industry. Um, if you're a YouTuber, obviously, and you're a specialist in a certain area, like let's say video marketing, and you get a new camera and you think it's awesome and you're telling everybody how to do video marketing with this new camera, you know that's going to yield influence. I think about this this show that everyone's listening to right now. We always have this um, discovery of the week, which is um, stuff that our team finds that we're not paid to talk about, but my you know head of social, Eric Fisher, comes on and talks about these cool little tools that he finds every week, and technically he is an influencer, right? Because, or, or this yes. show is influential because people that listen to this show are looking for new tools and tips. So a blogger would be influential, influential as well. So it sounds like these people don't just have followers, but they're somehow creating content that, yes, that is helping the community that is following them. Is that accurate? Yeah, that is a prerequisite because with social media, I mean, what is social media, right? It's the notion that we have our own user profiles on these networks and that we are uh, publishing user-generated content. So yes, every influencer is publishing content. Uh, they could be curating a lot of content, not necessarily their own content, but they are publishing content uh, you know, sooner or later. So yeah, and you know, it's a great example you give. You don't have to be, you don't have to have like a million subscribers on YouTube to be an influencer because it, it all relates to your community and what you have influence over. So, you know, podcasting is a great example. There are, there are podcasted influencers that a lot of YouTubers might have never heard of. And that's great, right? Because, they're, you know, they have influence over other podcasters. But if that's a community that you want to engage with, you obviously want to reach out to those influencers. So it's not a matter of how many, uh, you know, followers you have. It really comes down to what is that point of relevance, of relevance and then what type of community you have and what type of influence do you have over that community. Perfect. And if we think about real life, you know, there are people that may not have a big network, but they have a powerful network of a few important people that could be very instrumental if you got to know that person, you know, and somehow that person put in a good word for you in real world, right? Like yeah, if you and want, not you, all those people are on social media either, right? So yeah, yeah, you don't exactly. have to be on social media to be an influencer. Exactly. So, um, uh, so let, let's spin this a little bit now. So a lot of people listening right now um, either have their own business or are working for a business and they um, might have said, okay, yeah, it'd be great if I could work in my industry with these five people or 20 people that I know happen to yield influence um, or maybe I don't even know who to reach. So how do they go about how do they how do they go about like discovering influencers and how do they evaluate whether or not it makes sense for them to uh, start some sort of engagement with these influencers? Great question. So I think, first of all, 
you need to know in your industry, you know, who is saying what. And probably a lot of companies started out with listening tools and doing keyword searches. And hopefully through the art of that, you have an idea as to who is talking about what and when it relates to keywords that are important to your company. Um, you know, if, if you are a consumer brand selling to moms, uh, who are the, the mommy bloggers that are out there talking about uh, similar products? Or maybe these days they're Instagrammers that are taking photos and using uh, similar hashtags related to your products. Uh, you know, if you're a B2B company, who are the tech bloggers out there that, uh, that seem to carry a lot of weight? And it's not just, like I said, number of followers. It's really, are these people producing uh, content that seems to yield influence? Uh, do they get a lot of shares of their content in social media? And there's a lot of different ways to analyze them. But I, I think, you know, just getting a sense of who is saying what um, related to your products, your competitors, is an important step you need to take when you start a social media marketing strategy to begin with, right? Who else is out there? Uh, who, who yields influence? And it really comes into play when, if you think about it, I like to say the content is the currency of social media, right? So as a business, at the end of the day, you're going to be publishing content on your social profiles, and because of the need to engage through content, sooner or later, you're going to start curating content because you just cannot produce enough content. And this is a generalization, but I, I, I do think it's generally true. And really, the, the first part of, I believe, engaging with influencers are, if they are producing content that's worthy of you sharing to your brand's followers because it serves them as a, as a resource of information, um, that's really the first step to engagement of actually sharing their content uh, and tagging them and letting them know that you have respect for their content. You could take it one step further and actually comment on their Instagram photo or on their blog, what have you. Um, but I think you know we, we need to remember that uh, influencers are people and just like you have salespeople that at the end of the quarter will somehow you know all of a sudden have a big discount they can give you, um, there's other salespeople that will always be able to give preferential pricing to companies they like doing business with or people they like doing business with because we're all people. So um, that's why I always say influencer marketing and engagement, you should always start in an organic way. And that's really the easiest way to start is to introduce yourself, share their content, give them a follow, you know, comment if, if you think it's relevant that you, you know, why you enjoy their content or what have you. And not every influencer is going to remember you right away, but that's how you get things started. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, as someone who, does influencer campaigns from an agency on behalf of my clients, as well as someone that gets reached out to as an influencer. Uh, you know, I, I use Sprout Social. I don't get paid to say that. I, I use them because uh, I can go in and see the history of my conversations with people, right? Especially on Twitter. So if I get an email saying, "Hey, I love your blog. I'd love it if you'd feature our, our uh, you know, a link to our infographic," but then I go into Twitter and see, "Wow, you've never, you don't even follow you. You've never shared my content." You know, what does that say about? you. Um, so take the extra, you know, extra step and really try to engage and, and develop these relationships organically. And I think it's really going to help you in your efforts, uh, you know, with these influencers long term. And I, hopefully I didn't like, you know, jump through what we were going to talk about. No, later no, night, no. And you know, it's what, an you, important concept. Yeah. You spawned a story that I want to share, um, which I think will help people understand how I do it here at Social Media Examiner and hopefully demonstrate how it could be done. Um, I know that I need to build out the YouTube track at social media marketing world. And I knew that a year ago. So I went to one of the big conferences, VidCon, and I asked a couple of my friends who were YouTube people, should I go to this? And they said, yes. And then when I was there, I asked them, who do you think I should meet? 
And they introduced me to some of those people and I got to know those people and got to essentially figure out a way that I could help them. Some of them I ended up inviting on my podcast. Eventually I, I offered some of them to speak at social media marketing world. And now I'm continuing to go down the path to get to know who are the YouTubers who are teaching about YouTube. And I'm actively exploring that knowing it's going to take me a couple of years to really figure it all out and, and not really um, asking anything from them other than trying to give them opportunity to get in front of my audience. And I know as a result of that, what's happening is many of them are referring me to their friends. They're, they're um, inviting, suggesting that some of their friends come and speak at Social Media Marketing World. And it's allowing me to build out a track of my event in a space that I have very little contacts. Now, I don't know if that's influencer marketing, but I think it kind of is. If it's not, I, I'm sure there's some lessons to be learned in there as far as the way I'm doing it. Now, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I think a lot of people attend social media marketing world for that same reason. They want to, you know, they want to be able to meet the speakers. They want to be able to meet the influencers and they want to be able to network their way into that world. And that's exactly what you're doing. Just like in B2B sales, you know, you go to industry events you try to find out who the movers and shakers are. You try to get invited to the parties. You, you try to meet people and develop relationships that will ideally be of uh, that are mutually beneficial and value. So I think that's exactly the same framework. Now you're doing it online and you're utilizing all these different social signals that are available as a social media marketer to help you do that when you can't meet them in person. So let's talk about, I know you've got, I know that there's two different kinds of influencers that you talk about paid versus earned. Maybe you could, this would be a good segue to talk about um, what's the difference and, and uh, let's explore that a little bit. Sure. So when we think of influencer marketing, we, we, you know, immediately in our minds, it's like, you know, I I don't have the budget to pay someone $10,000 to post a photo. And those are the types of true celebrities that just like if you wanted to get an endorsement from Kobe Bryant, you'd have to pay him several, well, I don't know how many millions of dollars. Uh, It works the same way. Um, These are people that uh, are truly uh, influential in their sphere. Uh, They're true celebrities in their sphere. And they already have a market value because all these other big brands are already paying them a lot of money, right? So in, in some ways over the last few years, influencer marketing as an industry has grown to the point where a lot of influencers are becoming really, really expensive for brands, which is why we now talk about the the role of micro-influencers. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself there as well. But the thing is that with these paid relationships, and there are platforms you can go out to that will try to introduce you to influencers. Hey, you want someone to tweet something for you at $300 a tweet or $500 an Instagram post? There are platforms you can find those people, but those are going to be pure transactional relationships, right? It's not long-term. These people treat you like they treat any one of their customers. You're one brand in a line of you know, 10, 20, 30 brands that they work with. And you know, potentially, some of the readers in their community might be able to see through that as well. Oh, these people are getting paid to talk about this brand. Well, and um, if I could go off on a little tangent, I think the FCC please. recently, I don't know if you heard this yet, Neil, or not, but the FCC is starting to go after a lot of these Instagram influencers and Twitter influencers and forcing them to actually, I I may be misinterpreting this, but I heard that they have to actually put the word ad in their tweet now and and they have to put it inside their Instagram post, which I think will take a lot of the the fuel, if you will, out of the power of some of these paid influencers, right? 
Well, yeah, and you know that's been going on. The FTC announced those initial rulings. Actually, it's been a few years now. So I think those, they're I think they're just uh, enforcing it stronger now and forcing you to actually say ad, not sponsored. That's what I heard. Gotcha. And I think that a lot of the, these platforms that work with influencers are also telling you to do the same. So um, yeah, uh, and and you know I I don't know how much of the steam it'll take out because you know hey if it's someone with a million followers and even if they're getting paid. Uh, and I idolize this person, I, I might not care. So there, there's that other side of it's it. It's true, but, and it still gets delivered to the audience. And it's exactly. just, it's just a question whether they act on it's, it's a question whether they act on it or not, right? Correct, correct. So you have that sort of paid approach, and I think if you take that approach and you're going to pay someone $1,000 for a tweet, well, what would the effects of doing a promoted tweet campaign for $1,000 be and do a comparison there? Because it's really, I believe, should be treated just as paid media is. Um, on the other hand, you have this sort of organic type of relationship building influencer marketing that I was hinting at when I said, start engaging with people organically, uh, using these social signals, start with content creation as, as, as a starting point, but use that as a way to develop these relationships where who knows where it might take you, right? Um, you know, a lot of brands are now doing these like roundup blog posts. I don't know if that's the best idea or not, but hey, maybe you're doing an event, you'd like them to come. Um, you want them to take part in a Twitter chat. I mean, who knows what it is, but the, the deeper relationship you have with someone, the easier it's going to be for you to ask them, uh, organically for their help. And Hey, how can we help you? Right. Uh, and, and I think those turn into becoming the relationships that have the most long-term value. And I think it's also the only way in which you can, from an influencer, try to generate a brand advocate out of it, uh, by uh, engaging frequently, getting them to know your brand and hopefully becoming an advocate for your brand just naturally uh, through all the engagement you've done with them in the past. Mm, very interesting. So, um, so do you? Can you think of any examples of earned influencers that we could talk about? Um, examples of earned influencers. You know, there's lots of different. I'd, I'd say a lot of the earned influencers. Uh, a great example of these are in the these roundup blog posts we see, right? And it's probably become the most uh, popular topic for engaging with influencers and trying to get some sort of ROI from, from an earned engagement. And it, it comes down to, you know, hey, uh, these are people that have uh, a lot of followers in our industry. Uh, a lot of our target market follows these people. So not only if we got a quote from them from a blog post, but if somehow they share this blog post to their community, we are now leveraging the other because now instead of us tweeting it out from our uh, our brand account that only has 2,000 followers, if only half of the 20 people we invite tweet it out, any one of those people has 50,000 followers, right? And that's a really, really easy to understand way. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how um, I don't know how great of a tactic it is because uh, once again, if if that person is irrelevant to your industry, uh, you might turn them off. Um, they may say, Hey, I don't have time for these things. Hey, I have 10 companies a day reaching out to me. Why are you reaching out to me? So it, it always comes down to really understanding the person as much as possible before you reach out to them to begin with. But that's an example. I mean, other examples, like I said, are as you, as you curate content, um, Hey, you know, would, would you, uh, would you love to come out to an event or a Twitter chat or, Hey, we're doing a, uh, we're doing an event in your area. Would you like to speak? Um, there's lots of uh, different things you can offer to try to bring those people into your fold. So without asking them to tweet about your brand or to post about your brand, you're giving them natural opportunities to do so. 
Yeah, and I I can speak from both sides of the equation on this, having been an influencer uh, unsolicited for uh, some brands just because I love the product and I wanted everyone to know about it. And also having seen some people try to earn my influence. Um, In the case where someone trying to earn my influence, I'm not going to mention the brand here. But what they ended up doing was um, they went out of their way with me to uh, do kind of an expose on me and brought a writer to me and did a really detailed interview and shared my story with their brand and just kind of consistently went out of their way to make me feel like they were adding value to my life for their audience. And I was a customer and along the way, I felt like I would reciprocate and mention their brand every once in a blue moon when I was talking about this kind of product. I think that's kind of the process of earning an influencer, isn't it? It's kind of like a friendship almost. I don't know. What's your yeah. thoughts on that? You're, you're basically trying to create a relationship. You're, you, you want them to become your friend. And what often happens is that brands do what they think that person would want them to do to become a friend. Right. When you're thinking... Um, it's a win-win you know, though, right? I mean, it's a win for both of them typically when it's done right, isn't it? When it's done right, it is a win-win, right? Um, but you know, it can seem forced. I had a clothing company reach out to me. Uh, for those of you that know me, my user profiles and social media always have me in a suit, uh, necklace, but still with a suit and a dress shirt. So a custom dress shirt company reached out to me. Hey, we know you look good in social media. We want to offer you a, a free custom tailored shirt. And it's just, it was a package that came out of nowhere. There was never any follow-up. Um, I, I'd never heard of this company. It just, it just seemed weird. And I actually never ended up getting that custom shirt because it just, it, it was just weird. Right. Um, and it wasn't something it's, it wasn't at the top of list of, of, of things for me to do or things I wanted to buy at the time. So you, you get lots of different, you know, you, you get some waste in this as well when companies do that. Or I think Mike, we were talking before and I won't name brands either when they, uh, they reach out to you and they never set the expectation and it's like, hey, you know, uh, we, we'd love your help of promoting something. Hey, I'd love to help you. And then all of a sudden they add you to email lists and they expect you to participate on a weekly basis when yeah. that wasn't part of that, uh, of that expectation. So, I mean, here's the thing, that influencers are normally content creators. Content creators are busy. They often have their own products, their own initiatives, and they're being pinged by a lot of different people and a lot of different brands. So you want to understand what they want from you. And this is like, you know, social selling 101, what's in it for them, right? Um, and often brands don't get it right because they don't understand that person to begin with, right? I have like tools companies reach out to me, Mike, and I'm sure they do you as well. Hey, we'll give you a one month, you know, free trial if you'll post about us in the social media examiner or maximize social business. To me, you know, for me to invest my time just for 30 days, I, I need a tool that I can use forever, right? And if I can only use it for 30 days, I'm not going to waste the time. So Yeah, it, and, and, and on the, but on the flip side, I have had some really cool tool companies that say to me, hey, um, we've got this cool tool and try it out. And if you like it, uh, we'll give you lifetime access for nothing. And I have a lot of tools that I use today that started that way because I had nothing to lose. And, um, you know, and on the flip side of it also, I think – if you are a business and you are trying to get to an influencer, you, you should understand what does the influencer most seek? Sometimes yes. it's exposure. Sometimes it's access to a new audience. Sometimes it's connecting to somebody that maybe you have in your network. And if you can figure that stuff out and you can just do that and give it to them as a gift, 
and not ask for anything in return, um, and you just keep doing that over and over again, um, that can lead to some really, really amazing things. And John Lee Dumas, who's a podcaster, did this with me in the early days. He just kept recording these cool little videos for me about how I could improve my podcast in iTunes. And eventually, I, I just got to know the guy, and now we're friends, you know? And yeah. eventually, he did ask me, you know, if he could be on my show. And, you know, years later, you know, because he was planting seeds. So I think that's kind of maybe a strategy. I don't know if it's some people don't have time for that kind of strategy, but, but, Earning it means it's it's going to take time, is what I hear you saying, right? Well, that's and, and I mean that's exactly the point, Mike. Is understand what what would incentivize them. So I've had the same thing. I've had other tools companies say, "We just want to offer you a lifetime access. You don't have to blog about us. If you love us, we know you will anyway. We want to get your feedback. We want to start a relationship. Those are smart brands. Why are you nickeling and diming? You're you're interfacing with an influencer, and yet you're nickeling and diming, trying to only give away you know thirty days when. Right. Um, you know, that, that person ideally has a lot more value to your brand than that. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go cheap, but you know, I, I'm not saying you got to pay a lot of money, but one thing as a brand that you de- you do have is you have product, you have service and you have certain types of customer experiences or user experiences that you can offer. And those are your assets really. They, they really shouldn't be costing you that much money to begin with. So, um, that's really the approach you should have. What about uh, micro influencers? Cause I know you mentioned those a couple of times. Talk about what that is. So with paid, uh, this paid approach to influencer marketing, um, you know, influencers are becoming more and more expensive to engage with. So the idea is, well, you know, they don't have to have 500,000 followers to be influential. Even people with 50,000, 10,000, 5,000, even with a few thousand followers that have a very, very niche uh, market that they have a say in or a niche community where they have pull in, um, you know, maybe we should be engaging with these people because we can build a more um, prioritized relationship because there's fewer brands that are vying for their attention. Uh, and maybe a uh, if we add all these up together, it might add up to being a bigger effort than working with one big celebrity uh, in, in the sphere. So uh, I know as part of my reaching out to influencers uh, on a campaign for a client, I was really surprised to find that big brands were working with relatively what I saw were minor uh, bloggers that uh, you know I'm assuming they had done their you know, th- their data analysis and that these people had pull in whatever, you know, um, whatever niche it was. But that's really this concept of micro influencers and really uh, trying to um, not necessarily working with the, 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 the biggest and best. Ones. Yeah, those are going to be the most expensive and the hardest to get to probably, right? Exactly. These are easier to get to. You can, you have the chance to build a more beneficial, deeper relationship. And maybe you're helping these people become more influential in the future by, by them working with your brand. So, once again, you're planting the seeds for a bigger and better relationship later on as well. So, Neil, I know that uh, you work with a lot of Japanese clients, and I'm sure that you are um, reaching out to influencers on their behalf. Maybe you could give some wisdom to <laughs> folks that want to reach out to influencers. Like, how do they start the process, and what kind of tips can you recommend? Well, uh, the first tip, obviously, is find who they are. And I, I think I already went through. It's going to be a lot of uh, Google searches, right. Twitter searches, Instagram searches, whatever it might be. And create a list of those people you want to reach out to. And I would actually prioritize. And the reason is that you cannot like handle managing relationships with 1,000 different influencers. Maybe for the purpose of a campaign, you only are looking to get five people, 10 people, 20 people. Well, make a list and prioritize and, and start with 
those people that might be uh, that might require a paid approach, but at least you know see if there might be an interest. And here's the thing: depending on your type of product, you never know what's going to tickle someone's fancy, right? So you know, I was working with a company that had a product for uh, moms with babies uh, between you know six months and three years. So if they were in that sweet spot and their baby had some of the illnesses that this uh, product uh, helped uh, reduce, then I know that was a sweet spot that even if they were uh, potentially a little bit more expensive, um, they might actually reduce their price because they really wanted to work with my brand because they're people. And that's the whole thing. That's why you shouldn't avoid going with the most influential people first. You should at least try. And after reaching out to 10, 20, 30, and maybe um, uh, you know, looking at how you approach, looking at the people that actually responded back to you, seeing the, seeing their responses, it becomes an organic thing where you start to get an idea for sort of market price or market expectations, and you begin to adapt to that. And you, you basically begin to find your own tribe of influencers that, that you can work with, that you, 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 you both have a, uh, a vision for what you want out of the relationship, and it matches. It matches your budget, and it matches their expectations, and you go from there. So th- there's nothing wrong with doing 100% organic. There's nothing wrong with doing 100% paid. But if you're doing 100% paid, you don't need to offer a few thousand dollars for each blogger. It could be free product. It could be a very, very nominal amount, but just shows, hey, we value your time. We know for you to write a blog post, even send out a tweet, it requires time. We want to offer you something, you know, a, a, a token of our appreciation. I think these things really go a long way because you're trying to create friendships, right? And we know those things help when we try to create friendships in the real world. How do we reach out? I mean, like, I know this is, seems like a silly question, but I think a lot of people might feel awkward. And you even mentioned earlier, you know, don't reach out and say, hey, I want to give you a th- free 30-day trial or whatever. I mean, like, how do we, do we just tweet them? And how do we actually kind of broach the subject? Because it is kind of one of those subjects, you know, do, you, do we just say, hey, do you do influencer marketing? Question mark? Or, I mean, what's your, what's your tips on, on that? What should we avoid? What should we do when it comes to the initial contact? So I would try my best to actually engage with them in social media before the initial contact. Mm. Um, that might spark a conversation which can help you. But at the end of the day, hey, we've been, you know, we've been following each other in social. I really loved, you know, whatever article. We shared it with our community. Um, it really resonated with, with our fans. And we are trying to get the word out about our product. And we're wondering if you engage with brands and helping them do so and what options you might have. Mm. Uh, I found, it's funny because I'm actually relaunching my own personal brand from MaximizeYourSocial.com to NeilSchafer.com as a result of working with influencers because a lot of influencers out there are actually very clear as to what they will do and what they won't do. And some of them even have price lists on their website for the things that they'll do. Uh, I think, you know, mommy blogging is probably the most developed industry in that respect. Um, A lot of people don't have that though, right? So it really comes down to, you know, these were, you know, there are many, many different ways we can, we can work together. We'd really love to, uh, you know, we'd really love to send you uh, one of our products to have you try out. Um, We'd really love to get your feedback on it. Once again, you're not specifically asking for a blog post or what have you, um, knowing that if they really like it, they're probably going to, you know, talk about it naturally anyway. You know, we notice you do a lot of giveaways. You know, we'd love to help you out by providing you one of our units you can do a giveaway with and build up an email list. Um, there's lots of different angles. It really comes down to what you can offer them and, and what's in it for them. 
And often, just by looking at examples of brands that they've worked with in the past, you'll be able to get an idea as to what their expectations are. Awesome. Neil Schaefer, uh, I know we could talk about this all day. This has been such a cool discussion and really enlightening. Why don't you tell everyone where they can discover more about you and all the cool stuff you've got going on? Sure. Well, uh, as I was saying, I'm rebranding to neilschaefer.com. So hopefully by the time this podcast is published, that will be online. So N-E-A-L-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R.com. And uh, everywhere else in social media, I, I was able to get the name first, thankfully. So I'm Neil Schaefer, wherever we are in social. Neil Schaefer, thank you so much for bringing us your insight this week. Thank you very much, Mike. And I hope that, uh, you know, I'll be looking at the comments. And if anyone has any follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's episode. If there was anything we mentioned and you missed it, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 252 stands for episode 252. This brings us to the end of yet another social media marketing podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.